This week's episode of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'm your host once again, James, and I'm joined once again by Nate. What's up, man? What's going on? All right. In today's episode, we'll be doing some more NFL fantasy season previews for the 2022 NFL season. We'll look at the AFC and NFC South divisions today. Uh, and then, yeah, we'll jump into some big time basketball and we'll talk about uh the nba finals just concluding also a trade that happened this week and then we'll jump right into talking about everything nhl and we'll look at the stanley cup finals that's happening right now as we're recording so how does that sound sounds good all right let's just get right into it fanatics football uh we'll start with previewing the afc south for fantasy And we'll start with the Houston Texans. I know that they had quite a poor season last year. It looks like they're doing their best to get better. I will start at quarterback. Uh, It looks like Davis Mills is going to be the guy starting there. Um, I guess taking a look at him for fantasy, um, he's not really being drafted uh, in most leagues. He's sort of that guy that's like on the waiver wire, unless you're in like a two QB league, uh, something like that. Um, I guess, what are your thoughts on him? Honestly, I think I'd skip out on him for the draft, especially if you're not in a two QB league. Yeah, we just don't know what we're going to get from this Houston team. It's not a knock on him. It's more a knock on the team that he's playing with, and we've got to sort of see that development. So hopefully he can't take that next step this coming season. Uh, We'll bounce to running back now, which is interesting. Um, They signed Marlon Mack from Indianapolis. Rex Burke had re-signed there coming from the Patriots a couple years back. And then they drafted Damian Pierce. So they got like three main running backs there. Um, it's going to sort of be hard to tell like who's going to be that guy. I know this past year was a mix of like David Johnson and Rex Burkhead. And there were just so many guys in that backfield. And I guess we really didn't know like who is really going to be the guy there. I guess just looking at like half uh, point PPR uh, rankings, uh, just sort of seeing where these a lot of these guys from Houston are going off the board. Uh, you got to go a little bit further down. It looks like Damian Pierce is actually going off the board first in most formats. Uh, he is the rookie. Um, but yeah, you got Marlon Mack going off at like 54. So Pierce is at 50, Max at like 54. So it's really hard to gauge, I guess, who's going to be that main guy. They're both going off at around like RB5 type. So they're, they more be like bench guys. And then I guess just going further down, you got Burkhead going off at around 76. I guess, what are your thoughts on this backfield? Um, I feel like it, each uh, running back is going to be fighting for snaps, if that makes sense. So um, there could be ways to make it work. I mean, the Browns find ways to make it work. The Ravens find ways to make it work. So um, maybe they'll be able to have snaps, but I feel like they're probably still going to be fighting for snaps, at least for the first half of the season. So I'd say maybe just, um, I guess maybe try to stay away and then see the first couple of weeks how they do. I don't know. I kind of like the value on Rex Burkhead considering he's like a pure pass catching back. So he's going to get his share of snaps and he's going off at like an RB like seven or eight. 
So you can get him pretty late in your draft and just throw him on your bench because we saw him like have those big games at the end of the year. And Davis Mills could be checking the ball off, especially if his offense isn't like high level. So Burkhead could have a chance to get a lot of uh, not just carries, but also receptions as well. So he, and also he's not being taken as high as either Pierce or Mac. So you're not really spending that draft capital on him as much in fantasy. So I think he probably is that gives you the best value I'd say, but I think I would agree with you in the fact that I would probably just stay away mostly. And then uh, let's get to wide receivers now um, for Houston. There's a few different names that we can look at. Of course, Brandon Cook seems to be the main guy. You have Nico Collins, who was sort of like that number two last year, and then they draft John Mechie. Um, I think those are probably going to be the three main guys you could look at for fantasy. I guess ch- taking a look at where they're sort of going off the board, Brandon Cooks is at 20. Uh, so he is like a wide receiver to price that you're paying. Um, I think seems about right. Maybe it might be a little bit high uh, considering his quarterback situation might not be as great as he's had in the past. Then going further down, um, just looking where some of these other guys are sort of coming off the board. You got Nico Collins at all the way down at 74. And then uh, you got Mechie at like 91. So um, yeah, like really far down the wide receiver board, I guess. What are your thoughts on these receivers? I think uh, Brandon Cooks, you could probably draft him within the, at least like the first four rounds of your draft, if not necessarily um, like a wide receiver too. Um, I think, yes, like especially considering he's still the, I, I feel like he's still the wide receiver one of the Houston Texans. So that still gives him a lot, a lot of targets. So he's still going to have a good fantasy season even if uh, Davis Mills is still kind of unproven at this point. So, yeah, he's definitely going to be the wide receiver you want to target on this team. For sure. I'll definitely agree with you on that. You could probably take dart throws on one of the other two guys late in your draft, just sort of stash them in case Davis Mills does take that next step and then they become more valuable, then they're not going to be available off the waiver wire necessarily. So, I mean, definitely something you can look at there. Well, let's get to tight ends for this team. Um, just sort of looking at who they have. Uh, Brevin Jordan was sort of that guy for them last year. Uh, and they, they, they got Farrell Brown as well. Um, those are probably the two main guys. Just seeing where some of them are going off the board. Um, it looks like you're going to have to go a lot further down. You got Brevin Jordan going off at like 29. Um, and the rest aren't even draftable. I, I wouldn't even say Brevin Jordan is draftable. I just think that um, you're probably, uh, I guess, best to maybe pick them off the waiver wire if they're sort of productive. But I don't know if I would use a draft pick on them. I guess, what are your thoughts? I mean, Brevin Jordan is like on the border of draftable and not draftable, maybe. But yeah, it's going to be quite a reach because there's a few, a few guys just uh, as potential tight end twos who you'd want to pick over him. And even under him, there's guys who you could argue should be put over him, like um, C.J. Rizoma, maybe, Holy Cox, maybe. They could potentially have uh, better seasons than Revan Jordan. So I'd say maybe like the first two weeks, see how he does. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably be leaning the same way as you. 
just probably just leave him on the waiver if he sort of has a few good games and you could probably pick him up and I guess keep him on your bench or maybe throw him into your flex or something. Um, I guess getting now to Houston, this division, um, I guess where do you see them finishing? Um, I think it's either going to be third or fourth. Um, they're still a rebuilding team. Um, there's another team that we're going to be getting to that could potentially finish either third or fourth, but I think um, Texas are still rebuilding, so I'll put them at fourth. Yeah, I guess looking at them last year, I expected them to finish fourth, but they ended up finishing third. They, they played really well. Um, but considering a lot of those players either left or, you know, um, th- there were different other reasons for that, considering they traded Deshaun Watson too. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. Might have to put them at fourth. They have some good young players, especially on defense as well. Like they drafted Derek Stingley in the first round, uh, third overall. So he's going to be a really solid player for them to sort of add as they grow their defense. But yeah, right now, um, I feel like, yeah, this team, they just really need to um, keep building up. So I'll have them at fourth as well. We'll move on to the Indianapolis Colts now. Um, we'll start with our quarterback situation. New quarterback in the building, Matt Ryan. Um, I guess in terms of fantasy, it looks like he's sort of going off the board. Um, uh, wait, where is he? Yeah, he's around like 20. I feel like that's kind of low. But then Indianapolis is run heavy. Because I feel like with Atlanta, he was going off around like 13th or 14th usually. So uh, I don't know. Does that drop given value? Uh, what are your thoughts on Matt Ryan? It's kind of hard to see where his value is going to be because I think like regular football, he has value mainly just because he needs to be able to just pass. They need they just need someone who can pass. So in terms of that, that's good value for the team. But in terms of fantasy, we normally want a quarterback that's uh, doing more on the field. So. I think 20th is a pretty good spot for Matt Ryan because you see Ryan Tannehill at 21 and he has a similar one in Tennessee. So I'd say like maybe somewhere at the QB2 area is pretty good for Matt Ryan. Yeah, I think it's sort of tough to gauge where he would go. Um, I don't know, maybe if the offense would let him pass more. Well, we don't know that yet, but we're just assuming from what we saw last year. Uh, he would sort of be around where Derek Carr is, around like 14th, Kirk Cousins. Like he sort of has those similar stats, I feel like. So you might be getting a value if you sort of take him as your backup. And then when you throw him in for a bye week, he's usually pretty solid. He'll put up that solid floor of points for you. So, yeah, I think I, I'd be okay taking Matt Ryan as my backup. Uh, no matter what size league you're in, he'd definitely be pretty solid. Um, we'll get two running backs now. Um, at this point, Jonathan Taylor is the main guy. I know Naeem Hines is there, but I mean, Jonathan Taylor, he's going like what? Um, like he's going off the board first in like a lot of leagues. Um, he just seems to be a guy that's just uh, so consistent. We saw him last year. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on Jonathan Taylor. to a ceiling this year, depending on how the Colts work out. I guess for Diane Hines, I'm not really too sure. I guess maybe somewhere in the 
bench position near the I guess, end of your draft? Yeah, I mean, for Jonathan Taylor, I don't expect him to have like that uh, amazing season like that he had uh, this past year. Obviously, there could be like some regression or whatever, but like at the end of the day, um, I mean, he's still going to be going in the first round. Like, let's not get ourselves like um, we know Jonathan Taylor, what he can do. Uh, we know he's on a, a team that's like um, run heavy. They prefer to run the ball, all that stuff. So um, I know people would take Christian McCaffrey over him. I probably wouldn't just because I feel like Jonathan Taylor really hasn't had that injury history as of yet. Uh, I know he's had, he's been banged up here and there, but seems to be relatively healthy. So I think I'd be okay going with Jonathan Taylor as my first pick in the draft. Um, and then you mentioned uh, Nynam Hines. I uh, just looking at where he's ranked. Um, it looks like he's around like 45th. So he's more like an RB4. Like he's sort of be like a flex option bench type guy. I kind of agree with that. It's kind of been his role. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely okay with taking both. Like you said, Taylor could be a bit high considering he could regress this year, but at the end of the day, well, he was like the, what the top running back last year. So you got to pay that, that top level price for him the, the year after. So uh, I think it's understandable for me. Uh, we'll get now to the wide receivers for Indianapolis. You got Michael Pittman Jr. who's sort of that main guy. Um, they drafted Alec Pierce, Paris Campbell still there. Those are probably going to be the three main guys in my mind. Um, just looking at like where they're sort of going off the board, um, you can definitely get them actually at pretty good value. Um, hold on. Let me see where they are. Uh, I must have missed Pittman because he's probably uh, further up here. Uh, let me see here. Michael Pittman, where are you? That should be 13th, if I remember correctly. Oh, yeah. He's all the way at the top. He's at 13th. Um, that's a little concerning for me. Uh, I don't know if I could get there with him. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Well, considering it's supposed to be a run heavy team, I feel like 13 might be a little bit too high. And maybe it could feel weird like putting Deontay Johnson or Jaden Waddle ahead of him, but at the same time, it's um, not going to be having as many targets if they're asking Jonathan Taylor to run the ball more. So Yeah, I think the fact that I was like sort of scrolling lower to find him is is like <clears throat> sort of how I feel about him. I don't know if I see him near the top. Like that's why I kind of didn't like look there right away. I feel like that's like borderline wide receiver one at that point. So you're he's gonna have to be like your top point guy uh, if you're drafting him early. And I don't know if I can get there with him. I don't know if the consistency will be there. Um, there's some guys a little lower that I might like over him. Um, yeah, so uh, definitely something to look at. I guess just going uh, further down, uh, just looking at like some more of the receivers uh, for the Indianapolis Colts, like Paris Campbell's going off at like 84. Uh, Alec Pierce at like 94. So yeah, you're, Pittman's probably that main guy. The others are probably going to be undrafted. I think that's okay. I think we can look at tight ends. Um I know Moali Cox re-signed, so he's probably going to be that guy. They drafted, like, Jelani Woods. I don't know if he's going to be uh, a guy for them this year. Um, Moali Cox, he's sort of going off the board at, like, 34th. I feel like that's a little undervalued. I feel like he definitely could be pretty solid backup. You 
you might not even be able to reach for him. You could probably just take him at the end of your draft. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I was thinking, um, I feel like Mullally Cox is a little bit um, undervalued because I see like uh, Dan Arnold, Trey McBride. Um, I mean, OJ Howard is pretty solid, but I don't think he's going to have as big of an impact as Mullally Cox, uh, depending on how the roster situations work out. So I guess just looking at the depth chart again, Mullally Cox is the tight end one. So I feel like you'd have to put him above um, OJ Howard, but I'm guessing they're anticipating that um, Wally Cox is going to be doing um, more blocking, so maybe that's why he's 34, but I feel like you could potentially draft him as a tight end too. Yeah, I mean, if you're in Indianapolis, you're doing a lot of blocking anyways, so um, I think there should be some chances for him to catch the ball, especially with a guy like Matt Ryan at quarterback. He's going to find his targets, so um, yeah, Moali Cox could end up being a guy for them this year. Um, in terms of just looking at the Colts, I guess, where do you see them uh, in the standings this year in this division? I think they could probably finish either. I I don't really want to say first, mainly just because, again, another team that we're going to be mentioning, but I guess maybe second. Yeah, I guess just looking at this team um, – yeah, looking at their offense, looking at their defense. I mean, they are pretty solid defense. They don't really have a lot of holes. They signed Stefan Gilmore, and they traded for Yannick Ngakwe this offseason. So I, I don't know. I think they do have a chance to finish first, I feel like. Uh, yeah, maybe I, I might be bold, and I might put them at first. I know whenever people predict the Colts to finish first, they somehow like choke it out. So I don't want to be putting the, the cart before the horse, but like – uh, well, no pun intended there with the Colts, but uh, yeah, uh, definitely can see them finishing first. Uh, I definitely like their team. I think they're going to be pretty solid. Uh, we'll get to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll start at the quarterback position. He's going to be heading into his second year as a pro, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on Lawrence. It looks like that he's projected to go uh, as the 19th quarterback off the board, which I I think that's a good spot for him to go off. It'd be a solid backup for you. I guess, give me your thoughts. Yeah, I guess they're anticipating that Trevor Lawrence is going to take a step up from the season um, last year. So um, I feel like with uh, Jacksonville, there's just all, kind of a lot of question marks because Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the most talented quarterback out of all the rookies last year. And it ended up not working out, not necessarily his fault. Um, the coaching situation that wasn't necessarily the best last year. So I feel like he would be a backup for sure. Um, I guess I'm not sure if uh, you should, I guess, uh, put him over Matt Ryan or Ryan Tannehill, maybe just because they've been proven already if you're going for a backup. So I feel like if you want a backup, he should be like a little bit lower just because we don't really know if he'll play to his full potential this season. Yeah, for sure. I think I can agree with you on that. I think he should be drafted, though, in, like, standard 12-team leagues as, like, a backup. So shouldn't be dropped lower than, like, 24th. So um, I, I can get there with him at 19th for now, I guess, unless we see major changes with any of the quarterbacks below. And then I guess looking at the running back situation for this team, 
Um, it's going to be interesting. James Robinson's still there. It looks like Travis Etienne's finally going to be healthy for this year. I know, I think he tore his like ACL in training camp or something last year and he didn't play the whole year. So it's going to be like two solid running backs for this team. The only problem is that means we don't know how the carries are going to be split. Um, it looks like Travis Etienne is the first one going off the board at around 24th. So late RB2. And then um, just looking for Robinson, he's around like uh, running back 43. So he's like an RB4 or so. Um, yeah, I guess give me your thoughts on, on this backfield. Yeah, it's really hard to tell how this backfield is going to work out, especially considering ETN is projected higher. But I guess just looking at the depth chart, it looks like uh, James Robinson might have a bigger role considering it looks like he's going to be the RB1 this year. So it's kind of hard to tell. But I guess considering um, ETN didn't really have a chance to play, kind of take him ahead of James Robinson, but honestly, I'd kind of uh, skip out on running backs from this team, just at least until I can kind of tell how it's going to work out. Yeah, like for me, like Travis Etienne hasn't played one snap in the NFL yet, and he's already, and he's in a split backfield, and he's going as like an RB2. That's too high for me, I feel like. Like there's too many variables there, in my opinion, for him to be my second running back, if that makes sense. Like James Robinson, I feel like I can take him as like an RB4 because it's not like I'm going to need him to start or anything. He'll be like a flex bench type guy, and I'll be okay with that, you know? Like ETN, you're sort of banking on him like balling out in his first full NFL season. So, yeah, I think that's that's just sort of the, the way I'm looking at the situation. It's kind of tough to tell, like you said, because of it being a split backfield. So we'll definitely have to see how things sort of shape out there. Um, I guess getting to the wide receivers, uh, this is going to be interesting. I know Christian Kirk's there. Marvin Jones is there. Zay Jones is there. Then you got guys like uh, Laquan Treadwell, LaVisca Chanel, Jamal Agnew, all those guys had decent targets last season. Yeah, I don't know what to say about these wide receivers, honestly. Um, it's pretty interesting to sort of, uh, I guess, just talk about, you know, uh, where these guys are going to go off uh, the board. I don't know, maybe dissect this uh, wide receiver room of like five or six guys. Yeah, it's uh, really, uh, I guess it's kind of tough to tell how it's going to work out. My guess is that kind of the main three guys, say Jones, uh, Marvin Jones Jr. and Christian Kirk will probably getting, be getting most of the targets. So if that ends up happening, you could kind of take them. I'd say maybe as like, maybe like someone like Marvin Jones as like a wide receiver three or even like a bench wide receiver, uh, mainly just because we don't know how the Jaguars are going to work out. So they could either uh, be really high value wide receivers that you draft low, or you draft them really high and they end up not playing to their potential. So I'd say maybe draft them as low as possible. Yeah, I think I'm going to be right there with you trying to draft these guys as low as possible. Because like you said, we don't even know um, what's going to happen. I know Christian Kirk's going off the board at like, wide receiver 42 so he's like a wide receiver four which is fine i feel like they paid him the money he's probably going to be the number one guy 
Um, and it's not like you have to really start him. You probably play him as like a flex option bench type guy. Um, and then just looking down the board, um, Marvin Jones going off at like 69. You got LaVisca Chenault at like 78. Um, and then, yeah, like, <laughs> I don't even know. Like Zay Jones is at like 97. Yeah, there's too many variables here. Christian Kirk and Marvin Jones, I think, are the two main guys. Uh, we saw them pay Kirk the money. We saw them, you know, use Marvin Jones last year. So I think those are the two guys you're going to target. And like you said, take them as low as possible. <laughs> I think that that applies uh, in this situation, considering how many wide receivers are there. Um, but getting to tight ends now, uh, they signed Evan Ingram. Uh, he's probably going to be the main guy. I know Dan Arnold is still there. But my guess is like Ingram, he's the younger guy. He's got, he's like the more talented guy, in my opinion. Um, and it looks like he's sort of going off the board around like 23rd. So he's sort of be like a pretty good backup. I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think he could be a decent backup, especially if they get him uh, more, more of a bull. Um, again, we don't really know exactly how the Jaguars are going to structure their offense this year, especially with all the wide receivers. But um, if Ingram proves that he's talented enough, there he could have a situation where even with all the wide receivers, he's still um, worth targeting. So if that ends up happening, then he could be solid tight end too. Yeah, I think my backup tight end is where he belongs. Um, he's sort of like that guy where it's like if you have a bye week um, and he catches a touchdown, then you're pretty much set at that point. So. Yeah, hopefully he does get more targets than that. Um, I guess bouncing to the Jaguars, I guess where do you see them finishing in this division? I feel like um, they could maybe finish. Again, it's either third or fourth, depending on how you see them at the Texans. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say they'll finish third, mainly just because, I guess, of the potential of the roster. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you there as well. I think I see them at third. I like their coach, Doug Peterson. Of course, he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. So uh, he's a pretty decent coach. Uh, he'll come in and hopefully boost this offense. Trevor Lawrence can sort of have a bounce back here. Their defense isn't too bad either. I think I like their defense a little bit better than Houston. So I can sort of give them the edge there, considering their offense also looks a little bit better too. Um, yeah, drafting guys like Devin Lloyd, Trayvon Walker, um, they're going to be really solid. Both of them were drafted in the first round. You get two solid linebackers there. Um, yeah, and then you already have, like, studs like Tyson Campbell. Um, they've got Shaq Griffin from Seattle. they got Malcolm Brown. Um, they got, like, a few good guys. And, of course, we know how good Josh Allen's been for them on the defense as well. So, yeah, this is a good team. Um, they probably won't make the playoffs, but they'll definitely compete in this division hopefully next year. So I could definitely see them at third place. And now I'll get to the last team in this division, the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this team, uh, they made the playoffs. They lost their first game of the playoffs. But they were a pretty solid team overall. Uh, we'll start with their quarterback position and Ryan Tannehill. I know you've been talking a bit about Tannehill, but we'll talk about him properly now. He's going off at around 21 in most leagues. Give me your thoughts on him. Yeah, he's in a similar position to uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, Titans are a run-heavy team, so they're going to be putting most of, I guess, most of the offense to Derrick Henry, but uh, Ryan Tannehill is going to uh, kind of be the complement to that. So 
Tannehill's been a QB2 for pretty much most of fantasy, so that's most likely where it's going to be this week. Yeah, I think backup quarterback, sort of where he is. Uh, I know I drafted him as a starter last year, and it did not pan out in one of my leagues. So, yeah, definitely going to be relegating him to a backup this year. Uh, we'll get to the running backs. Uh, yeah, it's pretty much the Derrick Henry show at this point. I don't think any of the other running backs are really draftable. I mean, Hilliard was decent last year. Uh, they drafted Hassan Haskins. Uh, they have Jordan Wilkins there. Um, but, I mean, Derrick Henry is going to be the main guy. He's going as the RB4 off the board. You're going to be taking him in the first round of your draft. Um, I think you're pretty much on the same page that I am with him. Yeah, you pretty much have to draft him um, in the fir- first rounds. I think he might have gotten the most rush yards, but I don't. Before he got hurt, yeah, he did. Yeah. So, again, there's a chance where he does something uh, similar. So, yeah, you kind of have to draft him in the first round. Yeah, I think, uh, what, what was he, like the rushing yard leader, like how many weeks after he had gotten injured, he was still like the rushing yard leader, and then someone finally passed him. So, like, yeah, it, like he just puts up insane numbers when he's on the field. So that was his first injury plague season of his entire career. So he's normally healthy every year. So uh, he's definitely a solid pick for you in the early round of the draft. We'll get to wide receivers now. This is where they've had a lot of change. Uh, Robert Woods is sort of going to be that main guy this year. They drafted Traylon Burks in the first round. He's sort of being sort of going to be that like second guy. And then you got Nick Westbrook Akeen, who was there last year as well. Um, just taking a look at where these guys are going off the board, where they're being ranked. Um, yeah. So we got uh, Robert Woods going off. At, I'm probably going to skip him again by mistake. Let me see if I can find him here. Uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Traylon Burks is going off at 41 and Robert Woods at 43. So it looks like they're sort of ranking them in the same breath. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like that's going to be kind of interesting because that would be that they're expecting Traylon Burks to have similar targets to Robert Woods. I would assume Robert Woods is going to have more targets, um, mainly just because um, Robert Woods has been in the league for a while. We know where his talent is. Um, Jalen Burks, he has a lot of potential, but we haven't seen him in the league yet. So um, Jalen Burks must have a lot of potential to be ranked this high, but I would honestly put Robert Woods over him still. Yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you. I think second half of the season, you'll see more production from Traylon Burks. I think first half, Robert Woods will sort of be that main guy because he's that NFL vet. So, um, yeah, I still think Robert Woods, just because he's the vet, you got to take him above. I know there are people that like drafting rookies, but uh, I'd go for that uh, consistent proven production first, especially if you don't know who's going to be getting the same amount of targets. So, um, yeah, I think I'll agree with you there. For tight ends, uh, they bring in Austin Hooper. He's going to be the main guy there. Um, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, I don't know. Just give me your thoughts on Austin Hooper. I know you watched him in Cleveland. I guess what are your thoughts on him and, I guess, his production? I think for Austin Hooper, he just wasn't necessarily in the best situation because he was competing uh, with Harrison Bryant, if I remember correctly, and he was competing with David Joku. So, yeah, the Browns had three tight ends that all could have been on um, the tight end twos in fantasy um, competing for spots. So 
make constant bloopers uh, in a better situation in a Titans where he's probably going to be doing more than he was doing on the Browns. So I think tight end two should be um, a good spot for him, especially considering his potential. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think that tight end two is sort of like that main uh, area where you should be drafting him. Um, but yeah, um, I think he'd be a solid backup in my opinion. Um, and then, yeah, getting to the Tennessee Titans, I guess, where do you see them finishing in the division? I think they're uh, a pretty solid first. Again, you could maybe put the Colts over them, but I feel like um, the Titans, they're like a, a little bit up above them still so far. Yeah, like you said, one or two. I'm going to put them at two just because I made a bold prediction with the Colts. But yeah, I definitely think the Titans are really solid as well. All right, let's get to the NFC South division now. I will start with the Atlanta Falcons. Big changes made to this team over the past two seasons. I will start with the quarterback position. It looks like Marcus Mariota is going to be the starter, but I guess there is a chance Desmond Ritter could play at some point during the season. They just drafted him. Um, it looks like um, Marcus Mariota is sort of going off the board um, around the 29th quarterback spot. In fantasy and then Desmond Ritter at like the 36th spot. Um, unless you're in a deep league, I don't think you're drafting any of these two guys. I guess what are your thoughts? I don't think I draft either of them. Uh, again, Mariota in deep league only, but standard league, I wouldn't draft any of them. Yeah, um, I I think I have to agree with you for sure. Um, I think in terms of their running back situation, um, I wonder what we're going to see this year because Cordero Patterson was like really fantasy relevant for them last year, but then they signed Damian Williams. So um, I guess that there's a chance that both of them could get snaps uh, in terms of sort of who's going off the board first. It's like Patterson's going off at like the RB 36. So he's like an RB three. And then I guess just looking further down the board, uh, you've got uh, Tyler, Algier, I think he might have been drafted by them this year. Yeah, he was. So he's going off ahead of Damian Williams. Um, it looks like Williams is going off the board at 69th, uh, while Algier is going off at 55. So um, I think for me, I'm drafting Cordell Patterson, and I kind of wait on the other two. I guess, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's kind of what I would do as well. Um, Cordell Patterson maybe as like a late RB2 or early RB2. The other two guys maybe at the end of your draft yeah they're sort of like end of the draft type guys you got to see how far they fall because it's a split backfield you don't want to draft someone early and they end up being the wrong guy um i guess getting to the wide receivers on this team drake london they drafted him in the first round he's going to be the number one guy they brought in brian edwards from the las vegas raiders they have olamati zacchaeus demir bird few other guys in here that probably won't factor in. Um, let's just look at where some of these guys are. Um, in terms of a guy like Drake London, um, it looks like he's going off the board on like the 39th spot, so like a high like uh, wide receiver four. Um, and then you just go further down, and it's really hard to see anyone else really being that fantasy relevant. Um, yeah, I'm still scrolling. Brian Edwards is like 89th. So um, I think Drake London's probably the only wide receiver drafted there. And I think at wide receiver four, you're not really under pressure to start him. So I think that's a good spot. 
yeah, he is a rookie, but again, he, he looks like more of a bench wide receiver. So you have him on your on your bench, then if he does really well, then you'll be happy. But if he doesn't do as well, you already have wide receivers, then you can start. So you're not really too worried. Yeah, I think the main offensive weapon, though, is at the tight end position. That's Kyle Pitts. He's going off the board at number three right now, which is insane. But, I mean, he was solid in his rookie year last year, and they're expecting him to take another step forward. Um, I draft him in my top five for sure. Number three, I don't know, because I do like George Kittle. But I guess give me your thoughts. I think he's he is arguably um, in the top five, along with guys like Kittle, Kelsey, Andrews and Waller, um, mainly just because of how good he is compared to the rest of the roster. I mean, Patterson might have a similar impact, but I think uh, Kyle Pitts might have more of an impact on the Falcons this season than the wide receivers. Yeah, I think he'll, like, he's big enough to be, like, a wide receiver. Uh, he's, like, flexible enough, and he's, like, big for, like, a tight end. So, um, yeah, I think that him and Drake London should provide a decent passing offense for this team. I think both of them, you should be able to draft them on your fantasy team and not have too much to worry about. Um, but that's enough for the fantasy. Let's talk about where this team's going to finish. Um, just looking at Atlanta uh, among the rest of this division, I guess, where do you see them finishing? Um, I feel like the Falcons are still building, so I don't want to put them too high. Honestly, they could potentially end up finishing fourth. Yeah, I might have to put them at fourth as well, although I do like a lot of their pieces. Their defense is getting more solid, especially their secondary with guys like A.J. Terrell and Casey Hayward. Um, but, yeah, there's just too many holes in this team. Um, yeah, I, I as much as I would like to put them higher, I just can't. I just think that they are probably the fourth-place team. Unless some miracle happens in their offense, just really – um, just picks up more than some of the other teams in this division. But, yeah, I think I have to put them fourth as well. Um, we'll get to the Carolina Panthers now. We'll start at quarterback, obviously. They have Sam Darnold. They, draft, they drafted Matt Corral. Obviously, P.J. Walker is still there. They're thinking of bringing back Cam Newton as well. There's been trade talks about Baker Mayfield. Like, there's just so many quarterbacks that could end up starting on day one. I don't think I could draft a quarterback from this team. I guess what are your thoughts? Yeah, considering we have no idea who's actually going to be the starting quarterback, um, you probably want to stay away from anyone on, on the roster right now. Yeah, like I have no reason to to draft anyone. Like, uh, I mean, if, if you're just looking at like who's their highest quarterback going off the board, Darnold's going at like 35. So there's no reason to even take a look at this team. If, if you want a quarterback, you might as well just go in a different direction. Um, I guess getting to running back now, uh, taking a look at Christian McCaffrey, he is going off as the second running back off the board as an RB1. I mean, I know he has injury history, but if he's healthy, uh, he could be the top running back considering his potential. Uh, would you take him at number two? Would you take him at number one? Or would you take him lower than that? I think I'd take him a little bit lower. Honestly, I put Eckler and Derrick Henry over him, not because he's not talented, but um, again, he has an injury history. Um, every year he's projected to be at either one or two, and then he ends up being um, injured and missing uh, major portions of the season. So I think that's something that um, 
anyone who plays fantasy should keep in mind that there's a good chance that he could be injured. So if you do draft him against at two, then you're probably going to be um, wanting to draft um, an extra running back just as a handcuff. Yeah, or you could draft like Chuba Hubbard as like a bench player later on in the draft to sort of cover for him, that kind of thing. Uh, we'll get to the wide receivers now for Carolina. DJ Moore is still there. Bobby Anderson as well. Terrace Marshall's there as well. And then they brought in Richard Higgins from Cleveland. I guess looking at where these guys are going off the board, looks like DJ Moore is going off at the wide receiver 16 spot. So he'd be like a wide receiver two on your team. And then going a bit further down, um, you have guys here. Um, yeah, they're a lot further down, actually. Um, yeah, I still – okay, I see uh, Robbie Anderson. He's all the way down at 68, so he'd be like a wide receiver six type guy. You get further than that. Um, Terrace Marshall's at like 83. So um, I think Robbie Anderson would be like a bench guy if, if you're going to draft him. And then DJ Moore as a wide receiver too. I think that seems like a, a good spot for him. Yeah, I think DJ Moore is um, the most talented wide receiver on the roster right now. So um, I think wide receiver two is a pretty good choice for him. And then the other two guys, you just wait till the end of your draft to draft them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think that uh, we don't know who's going to be the passer in this offense. So uh, and we know McCaffrey is going to be the number one option in this offense anyway. So then you're just banking off of whatever targets are left. So yeah, you don't want to be too quick to draft any of these guys. So you just sort of got to get them where they're at, uh, in my opinion. And then I guess just looking at uh, the tight ends, it uh, looks like Tommy Tremble is going to be the main guy. Ian Thomas is still there as well. Um, it looks like Tremble is going off and like, RB or not RB uh, tight end 41. Um, yeah, I, I probably wouldn't draft any of these two guys. Ian Thomas is like way down. I don't think any of these guys are draftable. I guess. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I um, stay away from them. Maybe just check the waiver wire uh, week to week to see how they do. But other than that, you wouldn't really want to pick them. Yeah, I, I think that that's sort of the option there with Carolina. Um, I think this team's going to finish third in the division. I don't think they've done enough to improve to sort of move higher than that. Uh, I guess, give me your thoughts on where you have them. Yeah. I mean, finishing higher than uh, third in an NFC South is going to be really tough because of the Saints and the Buccaneers. So third is probably where they're going to stay. Yeah. Um, Speaking of those two teams, um, let's get into the New Orleans Saints. Uh, we'll talk about this team. Um, new, they're going to have a new head coach this year, Dennis Allen, after Sean Payton, who's their longtime coach. Uh, looks like he's retired. Um, yeah, I guess we'll start with the quarterback position. They bring Jameis Winston back for another season. Um, and it looks like in fantasy, sort of going off the board, um, around the 22nd spot, so he's like a backup in like a standard 12-team league. Um, I think I, I think I can get there uh, as like a backup with Jameis Winston. I guess, what are your thoughts? I think um, backup is a good spot for Jameis Winston. Um, he, he normally performs around like a high QB2, um, I guess, for most years. So 
think that's pretty accurate. As he has a pretty decent roster as well. Yeah, for sure. And um, he was injured part of last season, so we'll definitely see if he can stay healthy this year. We'll get to the run game, which is the, the main part of this team's offense. Uh, you got Alvin Kamara, who's sort of like the RB11 going off the board. So he's like a, a running back one. You'd sort of take him. And then, of course, Mark Ingram is back now. Uh, that pair is really solid uh, together. Um, it looks like Ingram is sort of going off the board quite far down at uh, RB60. So um, what is that, like a late RB5? I think that's a pretty good uh, value for him. I don't know. What are your thoughts on these running backs? I mean, Alvin Kamara, I think you should still be drafting him in the first round. So um, he should be somewhere like a late RB1, if that makes sense. And then Mark Ingram, he needs to be kind of like an, an RB2 or RB3. So if you see him in the fifth rounds, I think that's pretty much perfect because if he ends up performing like an RB3 and an RB2, you get a lot of value out of him. Yeah, and you don't even have that pressure to start him at the beginning of the year. You can definitely see uh, how he performs. So, yeah, I like both running backs in, in this uh, situation here in New Orleans. We'll get to the wide receivers. Looks like Michael Thomas should be healthy this year. Uh, they signed Jarvis Landry from Cleveland, and then they get Chris Olave in the first round of the draft. And then, I mean, they have guys still there like Marquez Callaway, Traquan Smith, guys like that. Um, this wide receiver core is looking pretty solid, in my opinion. Um, I don't know, like, uh, I think it's tough for me to see who would be the top wide receiver here. I think maybe you'd lean with Michael Thomas. Um, it looks like uh, he's going off the board uh, around the 26 spot, so just uh, at the top of wide receiver three, which is not too bad. And then I guess if you go further down, you have, like, Chris Alave at 50, Jarvis Landry at, like, 56. So they're all in that, like, uh, wide receiver five range after that. So um, I guess give me your thoughts on these three wideouts. Yeah, I guess they're going to be uh, competing for targets a little bit more, mainly just because it looks like Alvin Kamara might be kind of um, the main guy on offense. So thinking uh, maybe Michael Thomas looks like he's the most uh, talented wide receiver there, so he'd be getting the most targets, so you draft him first. Um, Jarvis Landry. I think his ceiling is kind of like a wide receiver too, but um, because there's so many good wide receivers, you'd want to kind of draft him somewhere in the middle of the draft. And then he's probably going to have a league where he gets a lot of fantasy points. Yeah, it's one of these unpredictable situations where you got to kind of just draft them as low as possible. Uh, I know we've said that for a few different teams at this point, but uh, that's kind of the way the strategy is. You definitely want to get value on guys. Uh, we'll get to tight end. Adam Trotman looks like he's going to be the main guy. Of course, you have Taysom Hill, who's probably going to have dual eligibility in some leagues, both at quarterback and tight end. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I really don't know about the tight end position, just considering that like most of the targets are going to the wide receivers. And then afterwards, you got to like factor the tight ends. I think maybe you could take Trotman as like a backup tight end, but I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, maybe you could take Trotman as a backup if you really like tight ends you could take uh Taysom Hill as like an extra backup uh just in case he ends up uh getting playing time as a quarterback so that could increase his value a little bit there but 
yeah, I think maybe out of Trotman's head too. Yeah, I mean, even then, they brought in Andy Dalton as a backup, so it looks like Taysom Hill is probably not going to play quarterback this year. But, yeah, I guess uh, if, if you have dual eligibility, that's definitely something you could look at. But I guess looking at the Saints, I don't know, I see them in the second-place position in this division. I guess where do you see them finishing off? I see them finishing second as well. Um, I think they're a couple of steps ahead of the Falcons and the Panthers, but I don't think their roster is deep enough to finish first this year. Yeah, I feel like their defense is good enough for them to finish first, but I don't know if their offense will be there yet. Um, I think it just mostly depends on Jameis Winston. Um, and I guess the, the coaching as well. We'll see if the, the coaching is going to be as good to be able to get this Saints team. I mean, they definitely can be a playoff team. They're good enough. They have the talent there. They just got to sort of get everything together. Um, I guess we'll move now to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And yeah, Tom Brady couldn't stay retired. It looks like he's coming back. Uh, he's like, what, 44 or 45 at this point. We can't even keep track anymore um, how old this guy is. But he still continues to play. He still continues to perform pretty well. I mean, he's going as a top 12 quarterback in fantasy right now. Um, and I'm okay drafting him there. I guess, what are your thoughts on that? Tom Brady is still really talented, even at the age that he is. I think we have a running joke at the podcast that we're going to be in retirement homes and Tom Brady is still going to be winning Super Bowls. So I don't know, maybe it might actually happen since he, it looks like he just can't retire, so it's a possibility. I think in terms of uh, being top 12, I think it makes sense because if you look at um, the roster, there's a lot of talent at wide receiver, and there's talent at tight end as well, So, and there's tight end at running back. So I feel like um, he has the roster to finish a top 12 quarterback. Yeah, that's the thing about Tom Brady. It's like... Uh, ever since he's gotten to Tampa Bay, he's just thrown so many touchdowns week to week that uh, it's just put him as like a solid, like top 12 quarterback. Like, I mean, um, when he was in New England, some years he would be like a top five quarterback. Some years he wouldn't finish as like a top 12. Like he had a lot of inconsistency, but it looks like he's become a lot more consistent with the Buccaneers. And I mean, um, yeah, uh, drafting him around like eight or nine or wherever he's going, like, yeah, I think that's a perfect spot for him. You get a good starting quarterback, and he'll get you points every week. So um, I definitely agree with that. Uh, we'll get to the running backs now. Looks like Leonard Fournette's going to be the main guy here since Ronald Jones is gone. They drafted Rashad White, Keyshawn Vaughn still there, Giovanni Bernard. But I think the main guy you're looking at is Fournette. He's going off uh, as the running back 12, so a late RB1. Yeah, I mean – with the amount of work he's getting every week, I think you got to sort of take up there. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, Leonard Frenette, he's finally at a place where he's realized his full potential and he's now in a position to utilize his full potential. So I think in previous fantasy years, he was normally an RB2, but he had um, an RB1 ceiling. So I feel like this could be the year where he kind of shows that. So I guess late RB1, but I think that's perfect for him. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he, he gets a lot of work every week, he gets a lot of touchdowns as well, uh, almost on a weekly basis. So definitely a really solid player you can take. And then we'll get now to the wide receivers. 
Mike Evans is still there. Chris Godwin's still there. I believe he's still recovering from an injury, though. Um, but they signed Russell Gage in the offseason, so those are going to be the main guys. Obviously, looking at the rankings, you got Evans going off as like the wide receiver eight. So he's definitely a wide receiver one for your team. Uh, and then you got um, Chris Godwin going off at like the 27 spots, so like an early wide out three, because they don't know if he's going to return in time to start the season. So uh, he might not be able to play at the beginning. But then I guess going further down after that, just sort of seeing where we, you can get Russell Gage. Um, looks like he's coming off the board really low. You might be able to get a good value on him and he might be able to produce here. Um, yeah, I'm still scrolling. I don't see him. Looks like dude, we got like what Tyler Johnson off the board. I might have missed him. But yeah, um, you're definitely getting solid. Like, oh, I see him. He was at 46. So yeah, you're uh, you're getting him much later uh, than uh, either Godwin or Evans. So um, yeah, you're you're getting good value in all of these guys. I guess give me your thoughts on these wideouts. Yeah, I really like um, like all of them. Again, Mike Evans is really talented. So I think I'd be happy taking him as a wide receiver one, especially considering Tom Brady's going to be throwing to him. So. All his targets are going to be good. Uh, with Chris Godwin, he's a really solid, I think, he's a really solid wide receiver too as a ceiling. But if he misses a couple weeks, maybe you could get him as a wide receiver three. But I feel like that kind of raises Russell Gage's value even more. And seeing that he's 46, if you can kind of hit the middle of the drafts, he's going to have a really good first half of the season, I think. Yeah, I mean, you could even pair them up if you want and then just uh, play the like gauge earlier in the season and then sort of play Godwin after. You might be able to play both at some point during the season. So, yeah, definitely. yeah you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you might have to watch out for bye weeks because then your team might be screwed if you have all of them uh, all on a bye in one week and if you have Tom Brady in your lineup as well. So, I mean, this offense is good, but I think double dipping is a little too much at this point. Uh, we'll get to a tight end now for this team. And I mean, uh, I think we're sort of up in the air right now. It looks like Gronk hasn't re-signed back with them yet. There's a chance he could in the upcoming weeks. Looks like Cameron breaks that like tight end one. I don't think he's been a tight end one for this team for like a few years now. Um, ever since OJ Howard came and then Gronk came. So um, it's interesting to see him there. Um, I guess he is going off the board. Um yeah, like he's uh, – I don't even see him here on the board unless I'm just missing him. Um, yeah, it looks like he's going off the board at like 37. So I guess people are expecting him to, um, you know, uh, be the backup to a guy like Gronk. Maybe they expect Gronk to come back. I don't know. Give me your thoughts on that. Yeah, I'm thinking um, if they're expecting Gronk to come back, that he uh, might not necessarily um, want to draft him. Because I see uh, Gronk is like, I think he's 24th off the board, right under Evan Ingram. So uh, maybe for Cameron, great. If you're in a deep league, you could take him as a tight end too, maybe. But I'd say if you're in a standard league, just wait for like the first couple of weeks. And if Gronk ends up not coming back, then you can kind of take him a bit. I was going to say, if Gronk comes back, he's probably going to jump up probably in like the top nine somewhere 
like we're from where Zach Ertz is and above. I think that that's the sort of the tier where Gronk's going to be. He's going to be a top 10 tight end. And then if Gronk doesn't come back, I think Brait will jump into like that, like 15, 16 area, sort of where Fant or Tanyan is. So he'll, he'll still be a really solid backup. You might get some upside from him if Brady's going to target him as well. So um, yeah, uh, you figure out who the starter is and that's the one you draft if you want to get a piece of this offense at tight end. Um, and then, yeah, we both talked about Tampa Bay. We think they're going to finish first. I guess, give me your thoughts on this team. Yeah, I mean, they'll look like, um, I guess, potential Super Bowl contenders again. Although I'm not sure if they'll make the Super Bowl this year, but I think they're going to have another deep playoff run. Um, I guess, especially with the roster as talented on offense and yet Tom Brady leading the ship. Tom Brady always tries to find ways to make it as deep as possible in the playoffs. So, yeah, they're pretty solid, um, I think, first for this uh, division. Yeah, I mean, I definitely got to agree. Tampa's the standard, not only in this division, but I think potentially in the entire NFC. So, um, the Rams had a tough time beating them. They beat Tampa. They got over the hump. They won a Super Bowl. So Tampa's that standard. You got to match up with them. So they're definitely going to be really solid again this year. We'll move now to some big-time basketball. Uh, let's get to the NBA Finals. It concluded uh, on Thursday night, and the Golden State Warriors uh, are your 2021-22 NBA champions. They won game six by a score of 103 to 90 in Boston. Uh, Steph Curry led the Warriors with 34 points. Jalen Brown led the Celtics with 34. Um, Draymond Green had 12 rebounds to lead the Warriors, while Al Horford had 14 to lead the Celtics. Draymond also added eight assists to lead the Warriors, while Marcus Smart had nine to lead Boston. Um, I guess give me your thoughts on this game. Give me your thoughts on the playoffs. And I guess give me your thoughts on Golden State winning the championship. So it's an amazing game by the Warriors. Um, it looks like the Celtics, even though they're a really good defensive team, they just didn't know how to um, stop this team in, in the end. So the Warriors, they were basically firing on all cylinders. Um, Steph Curry had an amazing game. It looks like his three-point percentage was 54.5. So um, that's amazing, basically. Um, Draymond had like the team in general was just playing really well um, on offense and they were able to limit the Celtics' chances. So yeah, it's really impressive. Um, I think if, I guess they were kind of making fun of the Celtics for having Al Horford try to guard Steph Curry on the perimeter. So I guess that's kind of like another example of just the Warriors. They were able to kind of take advantage of uh, the snap mismatches, mismatches um, against the Celtics. And even though I think Al Horford was the leader for rebounds, um, I guess in this game, it looked, I felt like um, the Warriors, they were still rebounding well enough that they could get kind of second chances and then that allowed them to kind of, um, let the lead uh, grow a little bit more. I noticed that sometimes uh, Celtics, they want to get the rebound the Warriors with wood and then they shoot a three. So that makes it really hard to kind of catch up. Yeah. Um, 
I thought most of the Warriors players played pretty well in this game. I know Clay Thompson did have a rough go of it again, but I mean, it didn't matter. They still won the championship. I guess moving to Boston, um, in terms of their starters, um, I think Marcus Smart had a pretty good series overall. Jalen Brown as well. He was really fantastic for them. Robert Williams, Al Horford were also solid. The main person I was disappointed with was Jason Tatum. I feel like he could have given a bit more. I mean, he only had 13 points in this game. There were some games where he just didn't look like himself. He was missing a lot of shots. He was trying like too many Kobe type shots and he just wasn't making them. I don't know. What are your thoughts on his role in the series? Yeah, I guess it was kind of disappointing considering um, even normally, even when he does Kobe type shots, they go, go in. I mean, there's been uh, previous playoff games, even this season where you try to guard him and he still tries, he still finds ways to kind of shoot the ball. So you could, maybe just chalk it up to the Warriors. They figure out how to kind of limit his chances and it just ended up working out for this game. But even with that, I feel like uh, Tatum could have done a little bit more. He did get seven assists, but he normally ends up having at least 20 points to go with that. And it definitely would have been more competitive um, if his chances ended up working out. Yeah, I mean, good effort from Boston, though, overall. Golden State just kind of looked like the better team as the series progressed. I know Boston did have a good start. Um, yeah, I definitely think Boston's a young enough team that they can come back another year. I mean, Tatum, Brown, Williams, these guys are pretty young still. I don't even think Smart's that old either. Um, they definitely have a good solid core if they can keep it together, add the right pieces. They definitely have a chance to be back in the upcoming years. Um, I guess uh, give me another thought on just the playoffs overall this year. I think for the playoffs overall, I mean, it kind of feels weird that uh, the Warriors weren't anticipated to be, I guess, NBA Finals contenders at all. Like I had, I think I had the Suns as like an NBA Finals contender. For whatever reason, the Warriors kind of slipped under the radar, even though they're one of the best teams like almost every year. I think um, them kind of almost falling out of the playoff race last year kind of had a role in that, but it looks like the Warriors, they're primed to um, win another championship. They could potentially go back, back, back to back, but again, that hasn't happened in a long time. So maybe we could have two completely different teams in the finals next year, but I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah, I don't think any team has gone back-to-back -back since the Warriors did it um, a number of years ago with Kevin Durant. So, yeah, it has been a while. I definitely think they have a solid and young enough team to be able to get it done. Um, I guess one more note before we sort of finish big-time basketball. There was a big trade that happened uh, over the week. Um, I just wanted to take a look at it. Um, it looks like Christian Wood was traded to the Dallas Mavericks from the Houston Rockets, and he was traded for Boban, Marjanovic, uh, Trey Burke, Marquez Chris, Sterling Brown. Um, and, yeah, I, I mean, this is a huge trade. Uh, give me your thoughts. I mean, that's uh, I feel like it's a really good trade for the Mavericks. Obviously, you get a really good player in Christian Wood. And it looked like they were kind of um, missing some depth at center, maybe. So 
um, the Mavericks roster is even uh, deeper now. Yeah, he, this guy averaged a double double over last season 17.9 points, 10.1 rebounds uh, per game, really solid. I forgot to add that Dallas also traded away the 26th overall pick in the draft. So Houston gets that as well, sweeten up the deal. But yeah, I think that this puts Dallas in a great position for next year. Um, yeah, it looks like Dallas. Uh, yeah, I, th- I think they won this trade. I think you can probably agree with that. Um, he's definitely that big man that they've been missing ever since they traded Porzingis. Um, I know Dwight Powell played pretty well, but he d- is not sort of at that level that I feel like Christian Wood is. So um, I definitely um, agree uh, with this trade. Um, I guess any last thoughts for you uh, on whether it's the NBA playoffs or, or the trade? Well, I guess um, just for the NBA in general, I would say that um, I guess a lot of people are going to kind of be making fun of the Celtics, but again, I feel like the Warriors, they did have the deeper uh, roster overall, and their offense was just a little bit better. So I think before the playoffs started, we, we said that the Celtics would give them a run for their money, and the, it would end in around six or seven games, and that's pretty much what happens. So I feel like haven't necessarily seen the Celtics ceiling yet, as weird as that sounds. Yeah, I think we said around like six games or so the series would go to. We didn't think it was going to be too short. So, um, yeah, I definitely think it was a great series. Obviously, Boston came up short, but like you said, they do have a good young team still. They definitely can make another run at it. And, yeah, Golden State just played pretty solid. Definitely um, a lot of great players on that team. They definitely all played really well. Steph Curry finally getting his finals MVP, which he is much deserved for him. And, yeah, I guess uh, overall a pretty good NBA season. Uh, I definitely uh, like the way everything turned out. So um, that's pretty much going to be the end of big-time basketball. So I'm going to get it to you for everything NHL. So for uh, everything NHL, the Stanley Cup Finals is underway. And currently it looks like Colorado is leading 2-0, but uh, Tampa Bay has something to say about that. So uh, what are your thoughts so far? Yeah, so Colorado, like you said, took the first two games at home, but it looks like game three, it's going on right now as we're recording. And yeah, I mean, it looks like Tampa Bay, they're up six to two. The third period's almost done. It looks like they're going to win it. They're going to cut the series lead in half, make it two to one. And yeah, I mean, this is a series again. Uh, Colorado, I think they dominated. They had an overtime win, four to three in game one. They won seven to zero in game two, a huge dominant performance. But yeah, Tampa's looked solid in this game. I guess looking at like some of the scorers so far, uh, Gabriel Landeskog opened the scoring in the first period for Colorado. But then there were two goals by Tampa after from Anthony Sorelli and Andre Palat. And then in the second period, Nick Paul scored for Tampa Bay, as well as Steven Stamkos, Patrick Maroon, and Corey Perry. So huge scoring period for the Bolts. But then Landis Gog scores again for the Avs. So it's 6-2 to two heading into the third. And in the third, uh, there's no goals yet. Um, of course, there could end up being an empty netter if Colorado decides to pull their goalie. Looks like Tampa Bay has a power play right now as we're recording. So there's a chance that the score will stay at 6-2. to two. My thoughts are, I think that Colorado started off hot, 
but it looks like Tampa's sort of finding their groove now. So it's going to be tougher to predict how the series is going to go. I know I picked Tampa to win, um, you know, to sort of three-peat, but I mean, Colorado, they've proved that they're a really good team. Yeah, this is like, we talked about this on last episode. This is one of the better finals that we've seen in a while. So two really talented teams and yeah, they're, they're both playing really good hockey. Yeah, I think that this is kind of a finals that, especially if you're a fan of just hockey in general, you're not going to want to tune out of the series. It's definitely not over yet. Um, I think even if it ends up being 3-1, abs favor, um, I feel like Tampa could still push the series to seven games, if not win in seven. So um, this is definitely a series where you're going to have to watch every game to find out who actually wins. Yeah, I was just about to say every game matters. Like if you, it, like every game you got to try and win because every loss you take is one uh, step closer to not winning. So uh, every game matters. Every win matters. Um, yeah, especially for Tampa Bay, considering they are down in the series, uh, each win matters a little bit more. But um, yeah, either way, both teams have played really solid so far. I guess if I'm picking for a, a winner for next game, uh, I think, yeah, I think maybe Tampa Bay ties the series. Like you said, it could go seven. I, I'm definitely thinking that now. So, yeah, maybe I'll take Tampa to win this, the game four and sort of tie it up. Yeah, honestly, that's kind of how I'm leaning, especially when we've seen uh, Tampa Bay in the playoffs um, this year. They've been uh, down some pretty big leagues they've been down 3-0, they've been down 2-0, and they, they just find a way to kind of uh, come back against some really tough teams. Uh, the Avalanche, look, they're pretty much the best team in the West, but I feel like um, you can't really underestimate uh, Tampa Bay. Yeah, you can't underestimate them. They're two, the two-time champs are looking for a three-peat, so um, yeah, um, Either team, I think both teams, they're playing like they're champions. They're they're both playing really solid right now. Uh, yeah, let's just say it's going to go to seven because I want to see seven games in the series. Yeah, I think uh, seeing seven would be uh, perfect for the series. And I guess um, just what are your thoughts um, on the playoffs so far? Yeah, I think um, I think the, the two best teams definitely got to the finals. Uh, from the looks of it. So um, I think, uh, you know, there were some like tough teams on both sides. I know Florida, they were the president's trophy winning team, but they couldn't get it done against Tampa. The Edmonton Oilers gave Colorado a good fight. Like there were different other series. Of course, Toronto took Tampa Bay to seven. St. Louis put up a good fight against Colorado too. So yeah, I mean, uh, I think the two uh, strongest teams are facing in the finals. And I think we've had a good playoff so far. The action's been great. Um, we'll definitely see a Stanley Cup champion that, that much deserves their championship. That's for sure. And I guess just looking at the rosters a little bit, um, what do you think about the players from each team? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll i get through the rosters. It looks like this game's final now. It looks like 62 uh, is the final score. Um, I've been impressed. I guess I'll pick a team, uh, a player from each team. I'll start with Colorado. Valerie Nishushkin, he's been really solid. Uh, I know everyone made fun of him the year with Dallas where he didn't even score a goal in the entire season. I mean, he's been lighting it up for Colorado in the playoffs this year. 
definitely have been impressed with him. And then for Tampa Bay, a guy like Nick Paul, they got him from Ottawa at the trade deadline. He scored again in this game. He scored two goals in the clinching game against Toronto. He scored a goal in game one against Colorado as well. So, I mean, yeah, um, those are two players I've really been impressed with from each team. And I guess more of a less serious question. Um, if the same Kadri ends up winning a goal at the Avalanche win, should uh, Leafs fans celebrate? Well, he's got to get a game into this series first. He has not even played one game yet because of his injuries. So we'll see if he gets a game in. If he does and he scores, then I, I'll have mixed feelings. But yeah, maybe I'll be happy for him. Sure. And I guess that about ends this week for everything at NHL and for the Fantasy Fanatic podcast as well. If you liked what you watched, you can subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, uh, or leave us a like, uh, give us a review, give us your thoughts on all three sports so far. And uh, if you liked what you listened to, you can follow us on Spotify. You can also follow us on Apple Music and Google Podcasts. And if you need some sports picks, you can follow us at Fat Fat Podcast on both Twitter and Instagram. And we'll see you guys next week.